Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Thanks for joining us. And as always, I just have to give a shout out to our executive producer, Andre Suttles, Subtle Solution Media, for making this podcast possible, bringing it to your airwaves. We have a great show for you today. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, a public speaker, leader enthusiast, veteran. Thank you for your service. Barry Ball joining us on the podcast today. Oh, wow. Thank you for having me. This is, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I, I am too. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, before we jump into to speaking about leadership and overcoming adversity, I'd love for you, Barry, really quick, introduce yourself to the audience. The floor is yours. Give us the quick history on who you are, what you do, and what brings you here today. All righty. Well, whenever I introduce myself, it always starts the same way. You know, yep, I am Barry Ball. Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I am the oldest of my nine siblings. Yes, nine. <laughs> and those two things really made me who I am. Being the oldest of that many siblings and coming from St. Louis, it made me a servant leader and an all-around hustler. And something I picked up along the way on my journey and I share with folks is you can try to swing it or hack it any way that you can. You just can't spell hustle without STL. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Something I like to share. A little, (laughs) little fun. (laughs) Um, But yeah, because so much about being from St. Louis is about making it happen, surviving, keeping up with the the hustle and the bustle despite all the darkness that's around you. So that that really shaped me for who I am today. Now I wasn't always in St. Louis. I moved to Kansas City, Missouri, due to domestic violence in my household, and we lived in a homeless. We lived in a battered woman's shelter. Um, once we got out of there, got into high school, I delved into JROTC, rose to be the number one cadet in the city, and life happened. You know, things got interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was at the right place at the right time. I'm a man of faith. Um, met someone who worked in my senator's office who was impressed by me and also me ultimately guided me to make the decision to go to West Point, United States Military Academy. That changed the total trajectory of my life. It it helped me develop. It helped me build relationships that I I would never want to lose. I would never replace. I can never really explain how important they are to me. I commissioned, I graduated from West Point, commissioned into the, the United States Army as a transportation officer, got down to the 82nd Airborne Division here in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, And before you know it, everything that I had been preparing for came to a sudden halt once I received a mental health diagnosis. And the Army told me, sadly, they no longer needed my services. So uh, you fast forward a little bit more. Now you have Barry Ball, the speakerpreneur, who is just trying to soften the blow and lift as I climb and provide everything that I wish I had a few years back. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing story. And there's so much I want to unpack. And I guess going back to the beginning and you mentioned your roots being from St. Louis, but a domestic violence situation in your home leading you to Kansas City, Missouri. 
what was that like? Cause I, I think you mentioned it was before you went to high school. So I can only imagine witnessing that in your home, seeing that firsthand, if you can sharing what that transition was like at the time and how it's impacted your leadership, how it's impacted your life moving forward and how you live your life today. Yes, most definitely. So just seeing that it really didn't impact me. It wasn't the first time that I experienced domestic violence, um, maybe even earlier in, in life, just seeing weapons pulled out, such as guns and things uh, in front of us as children. But it, what it really did was started to create the strong sense of advocacy that I have for others, especially others who who are the downtrodden, those who, who don't really have a voice and feel like they're marginalized and no one sees them, those folks, because I am one of them. I identify as one, um, somebody who can have their wings clipped at times, but uh, still continue to soar. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that really, it gave me a heart for the underdog. Yeah. And I think we all have that underdog within us. And I think some of what your work is, when you talk about servant leadership, I think it's kind of pouring into someone's underdog or pouring into someone, giving them a chance. Cause I think that's something we all want. Just give us a chance. See me for where I'm at. I'd love for you to talk about servant leadership, why it's so important to you and some of the work you do, why it's been something that's held on to you all these years through West Point, through your service and into your speaker, speakerpreneur journey moving forward. How has servant leadership manifested itself in your life? Yes. Oh, wow. So it really started back as a child. I was young and at the age of four, I had the next child coming in my household right after me. So as I'm getting my own uh, footing, now I have to, I have to learn even more at a faster rate to teach the next person. And that's what really did it for me. Being the oldest of so many siblings, service became important and it stopped being about me. It was about the next person. So whatever it meant, whatever I had to do to help, help out, that's what I did. And that has just been cultivated throughout my life time and time again, as I yet again have have seen folks who needed help. And who might have been marginalized or been the underdog, and I wanted to help them and make sure they get the best opportunity that they could. So service is really it's my watchword. Yeah. What was it about JROTC that pulled you in at a young age? You mentioned being able to become the top cadet in the city and then at leading to an opportunity to go to West Point. But I'm sure it first started with a pull. What was that pull that pulled you in? It was a small grandular picture, I must admit. Very fuzzy and blurry, mm-hmm. but I knew what that picture was. I knew what was being uh, photographed in the picture, and that was my mom in uniform. So my mom went to the Naval uh, Junior ROTC Academy, and my dad did also. So just having both of my parents go to the JRTC Academy in St. Louis, that really inspired me to follow suit and yeah. pursue the military in itself. So through that journey, JROTC, West Point, and then Fort Bragg, what did you learn about leadership through that period? And 
how has that stuck with you? Because I imagine, sure, the military has their structure down and there's a lot you can learn within that. And going from JROTC, West Point, to eventually with the Army being at Fort Bragg, I'm sure you saw a lot of levels along the way. And you probably also got to experience a lot of different types of leadership. So I'd love to know that kind of impact and what kind of memories or what foundation you take from that moving forward. It always goes back to the same thing. The foundation um, would be lead by example. Something so simple could be applied time and time and again throughout the different levels that I reached. Just learning how important it is to be the standard as close as possible and inspire others to do the same. So many times leadership was equated to change, but it all fell back to if you adapted to that change, if you were the example, everything would be all right. And I'll be honest, some things weren't always the best. Like if we were to talk about toxic leadership, you would see that it probably occurred when that leader started to stray away from being the example, which they should. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that one fundamental lesson, it rippled throughout and it, it showed itself time and time again throughout my career in the military. Yeah. Lead by example. Just to accentuate that point. I know there's a lot of parents watching, a lot of parents listening, and they know, you know oh, my, my, my kid never does what I say but they'll do what you do. And a lot of parents have heard before, and a lot of us have heard before, the kids, they're not going to do what you say. They do what you do. And I think this leans into servant leadership because, I mean, as parents, you love your kids so much and you pour into them so much. The best thing you can do for them as a leader is be the example. Because as much as you pour into them, telling them what they should do or telling them how they should be citizens in life in the future, those children are going to learn from your behaviors. So the best thing we could do for our kids is build ourselves up to be the kind of members of society that we wish they can be when they grow up and leading by example. And I love how you kind of, you put that being the theme that really held through leading by example, because I think it also leads leans into servant leadership because when you really care for your child, even if they're the underdog or even if they're not the underdog, you're going to be a servant leader for them, hoping that they have the best. In leadership, I think it's also important to meet people where they at and where they are. You mentioned having a mental health diagnosis and that struggle, that battle. And we talk a lot about mental health here on the podcast and how detrimental it could be to some of our progress, some of our potential could be limited when we let ourselves succumb to some of the mental issues that we're dealing with. Myself, I've shared my story of having stomach problems as a result of my depression and my dark days and not taking care of myself. I'd love if you're willing to, I'd love to get an insight on what your battle was and what your struggle was and how you overcame it. Maybe some of our listeners can can learn from that example too. Okay, yeah, most definitely. So my initial diagnosis was schizophrenia. And that is what ended my career in the military. And 
what I didn't see at the time was this didn't have to define me. Mm-hmm. I let it define me in that moment. And now what, or then what I saw as I had a bad prognosis of it, or I, I just let it take over my life. I just see it as a superpower now, you know, it, it's just a part of me, which has to be harnessed, which has to be cultivated, which has to be controlled and maintained. But the battle was, who am I after I received this diagnosis and everything that I've prepared myself for in life is now gone? Who am I now? So there was a there was an identity crisis going on there too. And I just started to make poor decisions that really didn't set me up for success. I began to use certain substances that, that weren't good for me. And that allowed, that caused my decision-making to spin out of control even more. What made all the difference was just me reaching out and asking for help. Mm. Me finally listening to all the nudges and all the text messages and the calls of, of concern and me getting rid of the substances and me really being intentional about what I was doing with my life. Yeah. So yeah, that was the journey. What does that shift look like? Because for context for you and and for the, the listeners in the audience who didn't hear my story, you know, for me, when I was in my state of depression and in my dark spot, I was eating fast food. I was eating McDonald's. My order was 20 piece chicken nuggets, large fry, a large sweet tea. Give it to me with a little bit of uh, that ranch dressing, right? I didn't do barbecue sauce. I did ranch dressing, but I would eat that two, three times a week. And then on the weekends, I'd go to the clubs with my friends, party and everything. I was the life of the party until an autoimmune disease landed me in the hospital for two weeks. And the doctor told me, what was your diet like? And I realized that it was myself. So I had to hit a point of rock bottom almost where the mirror was forced in front of me in order for me to make a change. I'm interested to know for you, how did you break that stigma of asking for help? And not just speaking to the audience, but I'm going to speak to the men that might be listening to, because a lot of us, like we're hard, man. Like we don't need any help. We have this shell around us. And anyone watching on YouTube, you see Barry Ball. He's not a little guy. He, 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 could, he could handle himself. <laughs> but to, to have that vulnerability to say, man, maybe I need help. That's not easy for a lot of people. And it's not easy for a lot of men. How'd you get to that point? How'd you overcome that obstacle? Yeah. So it, it, was, it was very similar. Hitting rock bottom and just saying that you have nowhere else to go. Now you can stay there. You really can. And there are some people who do, but I don't fault them for that because I thought about it myself. Now there was a decision that I had to make and I did to start climbing and to fight for my life and fight for everything that I had worked for prior to this path of destruction is what I call it. And it was, I had to make a decision that, that it wasn't about me anymore. Me making life about me is what got me there and doing whatever I wanted to do is what got me there. But when I started making decisions for my daughter, my mom, my family, my brothers, 
that changed everything. And that is what helped me reach out for help. That is what made the difference. I stopped making it about me. And I saw the toll that I was taking on everyone else around me. And I said, I didn't want to do that any longer. No one deserved that. So, yeah, that's when I I finally said, hey, it's time for me to get the help that I needed. Yeah. We've said before on the podcast about the importance of believing something outside of yourself and being part of something outside of yourself. Me, I'm a man of faith. You mentioned being a man of faith as well. And I'm not here to tell the audience what to believe in. But what I will tell you is if your motivation in life is yourself, you're going to run out of gas. You're going to run out of that motivation and that that urge to keep going. Because the reality is we're not only here for ourselves. We are here for something bigger than ourselves, and we are here for the impact that we have on those around us. And Viktor Frankl has it in his book, you know, someone who has their why can withstand any how. And the issue is if your why is yourself, you know, it doesn't do anybody else any good if you choose to stay rock bottom. You could stay at rock bottom. You don't hurt anybody because you're only worried about yourself. But I love how you mentioned when you started making the decisions for those people in your life, think of the, the love and the care and the time people give you to get to where you're at. And this is to directed to the audience. It's the least we can do. And at least for me, the least I can do for the people who have believed in me and invested in me is get up. It's just get up (laughs) because they have, they have bet on me and I don't want them to lose that bet. That goes into servant leadership. And I'd love to hear some of the impact you hope to have with your leadership, the impact you hope to have on others as you pour into them. What is the message you try and send across for folks to to hopefully grasp in their lives and that they can adopt in their leadership? Wow. It's, It's something, the message is something you've heard time and time again. I'm not the most profound guy i just take simple simple concepts and find the true meaning of them and start implementing it time and time again so the message is trust the process Mm. it really is like as a person of faith you know that there just aren't any mistakes there is a plan for you and your life and you have to go through it Every step of the way, you can't skip, you can't skip past some of it. You can't just forget about the ugly. No, the ugly is a part of it. It really is. And when you embrace that, it helps you get through it. Mm-hmm. When you can't see any further than my hand is in front of my face. Just remembering to trust the process and take one more step and another step after that and another step after that. And just keep going until you get through it. Trust the process, but even further, love the process. Because if you love it, you truly trust it. I love that. Love the process. And it's funny because in my research of you before our interview, you also mentioned how how resilient you are. And you kind of just define that, right? Like keep going, you know, keep pushing, being resilient. 
where do you get that resilience from? And you can't say St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where do I get that sense of resiliency? Just, I think it's a mindset that you find in life and it's surrounding yourself with others who have it. If you don't have it just yet. And even if you do, the more you surround yourself with others who do have it, the stronger you become. Like in the military, there are some things that I I did in the military that I never thought I would have done in my life. You know, getting up and running 10 miles like it's nothing. It seems like something that I never would have accomplished in life, especially growing up as a sprinter. But it's the camaraderie. It's the man and the woman to your left and right. And when you see that they're going through the suck, it makes you embrace it a bit more. So that doesn't just apply to the military. I think that is a life lesson that when you surround yourself around others who have that resiliency, it helps you cultivate your own. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about surrounding myself with people who wake up and run 10 miles out of nowhere. I might meet them. (laughs) I might meet them for lunch. <laughs> this stage of life, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll see Those you guys at lunch. Yeah. yeah. You guys hungry? <laughs> Man, it was a long morning. <laughs> so, I, I love talking about not just the rain, but also the rainbows. And whenever we have our guest, I love talking about their story, what they've done, the past, and what they've taken from it. But now, as we go through your story, I love painting that rainbow for our listeners and finding out what's next because we can take this whole experience. And I think the real beauty of this podcast, No Rain, No Rainbows, is we get to see people's storms, what they've experienced, what they've gone through, and how they turn that into a rainbow. And for your story, what you've shared with us in the past 23 minutes was coming out of St. Louis, learning the hustle, growing up in an environment where you could see guns drawn, where there's domestic violence in the household, having to leave to Kansas City, Missouri, and having that experience, a battered woman's home, and then JROTC, West Point, which congratulations on that, a very prestigious school, and then getting enrolled into the military, Fort Bragg, having the, the mental health diagnosis, and then overcoming that, that's the history of the storm, Right. And I'm sure there were there were rainbows along the way, but we see those storms and we see the raindrops that have fallen. But I'd love to know, Barry, what are the rainbows we're working on now? I know there's Barry Ball inspires and you continue to pour into others with your your servant leadership. I'd love to know what you're working on, what might be coming out, a project you're working on here over the next few months, few weeks, maybe a few years. Okay, wow. Yeah. So before I can say I can speak about Barry Ball Inspires and all. It's it's just showing up as as a present father, a proud present father. So throughout the storm, I just didn't show up how I should have. So now coming out of the storm and being present and being ready to step up as a dad at a moment's notice, at any moment's notice, that means so much to me. And that is a rainbow. Um, my daughter knows that I am in her life. I love her. And at any time that she needs me, I will be there, you know? So that is important. 
on the professional side, yes, there's very ball inspires to where I am speaking about resilient leadership. What do you do when life hits you in the face or hits you in the gut? And how do you bounce back from that? Because you know that others are watching you and depending on you to make it through. Mm-hmm. So that is what I'm going to be focusing on and speaking on and writing on here in the near future. And then a coaching as a coach, I help transitioning veterans, army veterans for um, the most part, find their way into entrepreneurship to let them know you have skills that you can profit upon. You had them before your time in the military. You most likely cultivated them while you're in the military. So yes, let's find them again and put them to use now that you are leaving the military. Mm, Yeah. And I love that too, especially, well, first, I love what you were saying about being a present father because, you know, I get not, not flack, but I get questions about how busy my schedule is and how much I work. And, you know, I'm 32 years old, engaged, no children yet, but I'm doing all this now in hopes of having the freedom to be a present father, understanding the goal here is when my kids are growing up and when they get older, my example I set is putting in the work beforehand so I could be there for their most important moments. And I appreciate you for sharing that first and foremost, because I think that's huge. And even further, I appreciate what you do for veterans because I know how difficult it is for some veterans to what they call transition into civilian life. You go from, you know, living on base and you're programmed a certain way. And quite frankly, civilian life doesn't live like that. And it could be a transition for some. And sometimes people have a hard time finding, okay, where, where do I fit in this new life? But the reality is a lot of times, and I'm speaking to the veterans now, these skills that you've acquired within the military make you a very valuable asset to businesses, corporations, and make you a very valuable entrepreneur. So the fact that you're translating that skill for them is absolutely amazing. And I want to make sure that our audience has an opportunity to connect with you, Barry, whether it be to use your services, whether it be just to follow more of the work you're doing, or maybe just to reach out. They say that they heard you on this podcast and they appreciate your story, your vulnerability, and the message that you had for everybody. But how can folks reach you, connect with you, and get your links? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. What I would say is just Check out my podcast, if you would, which is the Leadership Library. So that that is a great place to start. Instagram, my DMs are always open. Uh, Barry underscore the orator. And uh, yeah, those are the main places you can find me. I will have those in the show notes for folks to click on. And that's the Leadership Library podcast. And what was your handle one more time as I'm writing it down? Barry underscore the orator. Barry the orator. And I'll have that in the show notes as well for folks to link, get right there and continue to follow some of the work that you're doing. But but Barry, I just need to say, A, thank you for your service. B, thank you for the example you're setting as a leader. C, thank you for sharing your story with us and bridging that gap for so many people in terms of depicting what leadership really looks like when it's lived throughout your life. Because I can honestly say hearing your story, especially being the oldest of nine, 
<laughs> that's that's an adventure in itself. And as you said, at the age of four, you learned, hey, it's not about me anymore. You had to start taking care of others. So I definitely appreciate that insight and you sharing with us today. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And for the audience, thank you for making it to the end. I'm going to recap a couple of the points that Barry made along the way, just in case you missed it. But I know you were listening, so probably just going to reiterate some of this. The advocacy and the heart for the underdog. Sometimes when we see a situation and we identify ourselves as that, that's where the connection comes from for us. And of course, Barry sharing the fact that you know his upbringing allowed him to see himself as that and identify as that. And I think it's very important for so many of us to have that connection and understand that we are all the underdogs at some point in our lives. So we can never forget about them as well. Lead by example. I mean, again, the parents, you already know our kids, they're going to do what we do, not what we say even though we wish they would do what we say sometimes, but that's not the case. The same goes for business. The same goes for your organization and leadership. You can be the standard. You could be the example of how your business organization or your household operates. Now, this doesn't have to define me. We talk about mental health a lot here on this podcast, whether it be depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, or bipolar disorder, whatever it might be, ADHD. We've covered a, a gambit of topics and mental health but at the end of the day, that doesn't have to define you. And I love how, how Barry said, you know, it's my superpower now. Sometimes what we give ourselves, what we try and hide or what we try and diminish in ourselves is actually what makes us unique and special. So I encourage you all to embrace that and then stop making life about me. A lot of times <laughs> us making decisions for ourselves gets us in places we're not happy to be. When we think outside of ourselves, live life for others, that's when the true fruits of our labor start to shine. So I encourage you all to find that connection of something outside of yourself that you can go for, work for, and dedicate yourself to. And you're going to have to fall in love with the process because it is a process. You're going to have to be resilient. You're going to have to be tough. And that's why it's important to surround yourself with a community, surround yourself with a culture and others who are also resilient and tough. Just don't go running 10 miles out of nowhere. I don't know how you guys do that. I, I still can't, can't get over that. But um, also focusing on that camaraderie and knowing what the goal is. I love how Barry said, you know, he's a present father. His daughter knows at the drop of a dime, he's there whenever she needs. And I hope to be the same for my children. And I hope that you as the audience can identify that one thing above all else that you're in it for. We appreciate you guys making it to the end. We appreciate Barry for the time and the, the expertise. And as we always say, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, do us a favor, share it with a friend you think can get value as well. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. That way you can get new episodes every time they come out. And we would appreciate you leaving a rating. Let us know how we're doing. The only way we can improve is if you tell us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, and how we can get better. And if you really love the podcast and you want to support monetarily, you can do so for as little as $1 a month on our Patreon page where you can hear more from Barry and, of course, our other guests as well. Guys, thank you so much. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.